Good morning. If you have a copy of the Bible, or you want to use the one in front of you, we're going to look in a, just a minute in our study, second uh, installment of this study in the book of Judges called Less Than Perfect. So open up your Bible, the book of Judges, in the first quarter of your Old Testament, easy to find uh, after the first five books, and then you move into Joshua in the book of Judges. We'll be in Judges chapter 2. Let me just give you a little background to this message, which I've titled Faith in the Real World. And I mentioned some of this last week, but we, the, we like the people of God in the Old Testament, um, in some ways the world is a very different place, in some ways it's not. We are called to live out our faith in a world that is um, vying for our affections in other ways. Sort of vacuum. I don't live in a, in a, in a world you know, that's, that's completely um, neutral to my heart or to your heart. You know this, I know this, and that's really what the book of Judges was about. The people of God were sent into the promised land, but the promised land wasn't just a, you know, a beautiful, idyllic kind of, you know, beach and mountains, and it was a beautiful land flowing with milk and honey, but it was full of other nations, and those other nations were, were, were um, very strongly against the ways of God. They, had, they, they, they were very immoral, if you look at the Testament, the Old Testament history. They, were, they had rebelled against God, and they were very um, polytheistic. They had other gods that they worshipped, other values that they worshipped. And the warnings that were given, you see them at the very end of the book of Joshua, which right when they're about to head into the promised land, Joshua, um, or excuse me, they're in the promised land, but Joshua's about to die, and he takes them out to this little valley. And it's in between these two mountains, the mountain of um, Ebal and the mountain Gerizim. And these two mountains, very big mountains, they're in the valley. And they were called the mountains of blessing and the mountains of cursing, which earlier the nation of Israel, when they first came into the promised land, they had these tribes that went up. It was sort of a parable. They went up on these two mountains with the nation in the middle or earlier, and they would read all of the blessings that were in the Old Testament covenant. If you follow after the Lord with all your heart, God will rain down blessings on your life. He'll open up heaven. The crops will be Will, will, will be fruitful, your families will be fruitful, you will become a nation like none other. And then he had the other part of the uh, people on the other mountain that would talk about the curses that would come, the trouble that would come, the difficulty that would come if they did not follow after God, right? This was, the, this was earlier in the history, but at the end of the book of, or in uh, the end of the book of Joshua, while they're in the promised land, before Joshua dies, he does this once more. He's, he said, listen, Joshua's an old man. He says, I'm ready to be done. The work in the promised land isn't finished, and I want you to make a commitment. He says, listen, if you do not hold fast to the name of the Lord your God, he said, put away your foreign gods and commit your hearts to the God because if you don't, all the curses that are outlined in the covenant will fall on you and the people of God in the promised land, right? Say this, the paraphrase, the end of the book of Joshua, everything the Lord says we will do. Right? And for those 30 years or so that Joshua was alive, living in the promised land with them, they did it. But when Joshua died, right, they no longer were faithful. Watch how quick things change. Judges chapter 2, verse 6, 7, 10 through 13. 
after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites. They went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. This was, this was a series. It took years for this to unfold. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Verse 10. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done in Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. That's, those were those were poly uh, pagan gods they forsook the Lord the God of their ancestors who brought them up out of Egypt they followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them they aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asheroths which were pagan gods right first point in this message. Very important. This isn't just for kids. It's not just for students. It's for every person in this room. Your faith is precious and it can be lost very easily. Your faith is precious and can be lost very easily. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done in Israel. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean they no longer knew who God was. They no longer knew what his name was. They, know, they forgot about the deliverance from the Red Sea. They forgot about the deliverance from the Jordan. They forgot about the man on heaven. That's not what it means. It means these things were no longer precious to their heart. Let me illustrate. If, let me have, I need a volunteer. Let me pick on you, Dave Scheidt. Come on up here if you don't mind. Many of you, those of you who are exercisers, have seen one of these things before. Dave, you know what an extra, a resistance band is? No. No, okay, well, you're all right. <laughs> Stay right there. Stay right there, okay? Now, this band, what I've said last week, if you were here last week, but it's clearly in this passage, is we live, right, in a spiritually dangerous world, right? It may look a lot different than it did 3,000 years ago, but from the standpoint of our faith, really nothing has changed, right? Nothing. Now, God calls for, we talked about this, a wholehearted obedience. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul. It seems so overwrought, um, right? Why does God ask for wholehearted obedience? Let me tell you something. It's very important. He doesn't do it for his sake. He does it for our sake. Because if something else coexists with our faith in God, if something else captures our imagination, something along with our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith can be very easily overpowered. That's what he's talking about. And what happens for many of us, now it's not for the people of Israel in the book of Judges, it says they quickly forsook the Lord their God. Now, they didn't forget about the Exodus. They didn't forget about the, the Jordan River. They didn't forget about the manna from heaven. But those things were no longer precious to their hearts. So they still had a faith. But because God did not capture their full imagination, they worshipped other gods, right? And as soon as they turned their heart in that direction, right, it was a very easy slide away from God. Now, you and I, 
You and I do not struggle with gods of wood or stone. I don't think that's our problem, that kind of other gods. But many of us have our own gods right alongside in our hearts with the God of Israel. And those gods might be your family, right? Those gods might be your career. Those gods might be your ambitions. They might be your addictions. They might be anything in your life. But what happens to us when God does not capture our full imagination, we were made to worship, is we find ourselves in a place where something else, someone else, has taken the place of God that God once had in our lives. And that something else, that someone else, does not have God's power, does God have God's beauty, no offense, Dave, (laughs) and it's as if we are non-Christians in our everyday life. Thank you. Give Dave a hand. There we go. Your faith is precious and can be easily lost. You know, as a pastor, I read, um, you know, church trends uh, like uh, a lot of pastors do. And what I learned, maybe you've heard these kind of trends before. We've talked about them. You know, students are walking away from the faith in increasing numbers. I'm talking about high school students when they transition from college, from high school to college. Marriages are falling apart at new levels in our culture. I'm talking about in the last 10 or 15 years. It's happening inside the church. Listen, church attendance in America, even in evangelical churches like this one, is going down even for, I'm not talking about non-church people, I'm talking about church people. Church attendance is much lower, but let me say something to you about these kinds of trends. There's nothing new under the sun, right? These things have happened before. And what you see in the book of Judges, if you read it carefully, it's a cycle, right? And it's a cycle once something captures your heart, right? I don't wake up. No one in this room is going to wake up and say, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. I don't believe he died for my sins. I don't believe he rose from the dead. It's just that those realities, those powerful truths, no longer are precious to you. And what happens is, little by little, something else takes the place of God in our lives. What are we going to do about it? One quick verse, right? Your faith is precious and it can be lost easily. First, 2 Timothy 1 verse 13 says this. This is how we respond to this, how we should respond to it. Students, adults, grandparents, all of us. What you heard from me, Paul speaking to his young protege, Timothy, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Right? Do you do that? Do, I was at a wedding yesterday, and I said to this young couple, you know, I just gave them a little, my little seven-minute sermon. How long was I, Dave? Long. long. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Dave was at the wedding. Okay. But what I said to them is this. Here's my advice to you. You need to have a grown-up relationship with the Word of God. Right? You need to have a grown-up relationship with the Word of God. The Bible says, listen, to, it says to people, admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Are you actively guarding your faith? I said, you need to pastor each other as husband and wife. And if you're not doing that, and you're just saying, well, I'm just going to get what I need every Sunday or every other Sunday, let me tell you something. Your faith is going to be lost very, very quickly. You need to, what you have been given, 
You need to guard the good deposit that was entrusted as you watch the end of the verse. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Do you have that kind of attitude? Do I have that kind of attitude? Do I realize? I'm not talking about you're going to die and go to hell. You can't lose your salvation. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the power in your life. I'm talking about a faith that can really stand up to the difficulties and the challenges and the things that are vying for your heart's attention and my heart's attention. If you do not guard your faith, if you do not nurture your faith, you will, in effect, lose it. That's the first lesson uh, of one of the great lessons of the people of God in the promised land in the book of Judges. Second great lesson in this passage, quickly. Discipline is the price we pay for being loved. Now, this is a great, another thing that we misunderstand about. Discipline is the price we pay for being loved. Watch God's response back to the book of Judges to this apostasy in the people of God. Look at his response, verse, for sake of time, verse 14. In his anger, wow, does God get angry? Against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of the raiders who plundered them, the other nations. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them just as he had sworn to them, and they were in great distress. Now, think about that. Slow down for a minute, right? This makes sense to you, that God gets angry with us, and not only does he get angry with us, but because of our disobedience, the hand of the Lord is kind of withdrawn from our lives, right? Remember the victories. The victories were God's. The whole point of the faith of the people of God was not to have faith in their own strength. It was to put their faith in God's strength. That's why these, these um, the, when God would go into the promised land, the way in which these victories were achieved seemed senseless and, and almost comical, right? They march around the city of Jericho and they, and, they, and they finally blow a trumpet, right? What was that illustrating? It's not your strength. Keith, it's not my strength. George, it's not our strength. It's our faith in God's strength, right? But when that ceases to happen, right, God says, listen, If you're not going to trust in me, you're going to be left only trusting yourself, and you will be overwhelmed immediately, right? Immediately. Then the Lord, verse 16, raised up judges. When you see the word judges in the the book, he's not talking about, you know, uh, a gavel judge, a court of law. He's talking about deliverers who saved them out of the hands of their raiders. Now, let me say a few words about this important point. Discipline is the price we pay for being loved. The Bible says throughout the, uh, in the, right in the Old Testament when the first covenant is, is, is um, um, given by Moses, but it says it throughout the scripture, it says God is a jealous God. But I think Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, my prayer for you is that you, I have a godly jealousy for you. Now when you and I think of the word jealous, Right? We have a hard time understanding. Most of us, I think, if you're like me, you think of jealous as something that's negative, right? It's sort of a negative emotion. It's understandable, but it's, 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 bur- it's, bur- it's born out of envy of something else that's going on with someone you love. Maybe it's out of some kind of suspicion. And often we look and we think of people who are jealous as irrational, as crazy, sometimes that do things that are dangerous. And often we're jealous for reasons that are not even um, real, right? 
But when the Bible talks about jealousy, God says, I am a jealous God, right? What does that mean? It means he's fiercely protective and he demands a faithfulness. He demands an exclusive worship. But here, be careful why he does that. It's not for his sake. It's for our sake. He says, I'm jealous for you. I'm, I'm, I, I, I wanna, I, I'm, I'm fiercely protective of your heart. I'm fiercely protective of your life. I want your life to thrive. I want you to be everything I've created you to be. And I know this about you because I created you. And if you open up your heart to the things of this world, if you open up your heart to the other things that are vying for your affection just a little bit, it will be almost nothing. In one generation, they forgot the Lord and the things that he had done. That's what a godly jealousy is. And God has this towards us. Think about this. Now, some of us may be offended by it, right, that God is jealous because we misunderstand what it means to have a relationship with God. God is not, God does not see us as his subjects, right? We are not God's subjects. We are not God's employees, right? The Bible says, Old Testament knew, that we are, those of, who, those of us who have expressed faith in Jesus Christ, we are his children. He loves us with a godly jealousy. Think about this for a minute. Those of you who are married, I want you to think about your spouse. Those of you who have a boyfriend or girlfriend, think about them. Any committed relationship that you have, someone that you've expressed a commitment to, and this commitment is there's a loyalty, a sense of love, a commitment to one another. If that person, that student, that parent, that spouse, if you were to see that spouse, see that boyfriend, girlfriend, see that very important person in your life, if you somehow got a glimpse of them sharing that affection, sharing that love, sharing an intimacy with another person, how would that make you feel, right? Would you just decide, well, you know, you win some, you lose some, right? Some of you think shaking your head, don't raise your hand if that's how you would feel, okay? No, you wouldn't think, I win some, I lose some. If you were to see someone that you love, that you have a strong commitment to, your parents, your best friend that you've shared your life with, and you've shared a commit, you made a commitment to each other, your, 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 your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or certainly your husband, or certainly your wife, or, or, or kids, your parents, who you have a strong commitment with, share a kind of intimacy with someone else, it would hurt you. It would make you angry, and very possibly, you would want to do whatever you could to take action, to strike against, if not that other person, whatever that force was, that other drug, that other situation, whatever that's causing the tension in there, you'd want to do everything in your power to bring that to an end, right? Now, you and I are, are sinners, and sometimes when that happens to us, we have imperfect consequences. But let me tell you something. God is not a sinner, but God has that kind of love for us. Discipline is the price we pay for being loved. But look at verse 16. Even though the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, even though God withdrew because of their disobedience, this is the beauty and love of God. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of their raiders. Even though they were disobedient, even though they just said, they, let, they forsook the Lord, even though they gave their hearts to lesser things that were really destroying them and defeating them, God in his amazing love 
right? Not because of even their repentance. He said, I'm going to send a deliverer into your life. I'm going to send a judge into your life. I'm going to pick you up out of that fire. I'm going to pick you up out of that, out of that tar pit, and I'm going to redeem you. And what I would say to you, this is the book of Judges, discipline, right? It's an evidence of, our, of God's love for us. God loves you and me so much that he will do whatever it takes at times when you and I find ourselves having forsaken him, find ourselves in a relationship we shouldn't be in, find ourselves walking away from our commitments, very often God will do whatever it takes to bring you back. And that is love, right? Discipline is the price we pay for being loved. One quick verse, 1 Peter 5.10. Think about your own life, 1 Peter 5.10. And the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory, after you have suffered a little while, think about the book of Judges, think about your own life, will himself, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast, right? To him be the power forever and ever. Amen, right? God, your faith is precious and can be lost easily. Do you know that? Do I know that, right? It can happen so quickly. I talk to people all the time. You talk to people all the time. My kid, my child, my, my cousin, my brother, they had such a strong faith in Jesus. And I would say this to you. Sometimes we look at people and they go, oh, they, were, they weren't really Christians. I don't think that's almost, I think it's almost never true, right? I think people like you and like me who got up and are here on the great beautiful weekend because we have a, an active faith, a real faith. We believe in God. We believe in his word, Right? Let me tell you something. It takes almost nothing, right? If we do not have a wholehearted faith, if we do not guard our faith, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit, Paul said to Timothy. Can you imagine? The apostle Paul says to Timothy, these giants, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit because if you do not guard it, your precious faith, the deposit that's been given to you, you will lose it easily. Your faith is precious and can be lost easily. But discipline is the price we often pay for being loved. But how grateful I am that that is true. And then the last point in this message, which is also illustrated strong, is a strong faith is one that is tested regularly, right? A strong, we so misunderstand what God is doing in our lives, and I do in my life. Listen, a strong faith is one that is tested regularly, right? That's what this is about. I would love to live in a world there were, uh, this is what heaven's going to be like. I'm going to be in a place all heaven. The eye is not seen, the ear is not heard, neither has entered into the heart, the mind of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. It says in heaven, God will wipe away every tear, every sorrow. The great C.S. Lewis line or Tolkien line, you know, uh, uh, all sad things will become untrue. I can't wait for that day because I'm going to live in a place where God's beauty is present, where his power is drawing me in, and there is no longer things vying for my faith, trying to destroy my relationships, trying to undermine my faith in God, that day will be, uh, uh, that day's going to be a wonderful day, but it's not today. It's not today. And I'm glad I don't live in Syria, and I'm glad I don't live in certain parts of the rest of the world, or I'm not, I, I grew up and, and have many blessings, and in uh, Fourth of July, God bless America, I'm so grateful I want to be here, but let me tell you something. We live in a dangerous world spiritually. 
Your kids live in a dangerous world spiritually. And if you do not guard your faith, if you do not take it seriously, you can lose it that fast. And it's as if your everyday life is if you're not even a follower of Jesus. Many of you know that. A strong faith is one that is tested regularly. Verse 20. Therefore, this is the whole cycle of the book of Judges, the Lord was very angry with Israel. But watch God's tenderness. It's, it's, it's not the kind of anger you and I have. See, we misunderstand God. God's anger is not like yours and mine. He doesn't throw a punch. He doesn't, you know, uh, 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 throw a dish. Therefore, the Lord... Someone's laughing over there. Did you do that? All right. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and said... Now watch this. Discipline is the price we pay for being loved. Because this nation has violated the covenant I ordered for their ancestors and has not listened to me. That's fancy language with this. We haven't kept our promises. That's all it means. Joshua, the last chapter in Joshua, everything the Lord says we will do. They didn't do it. I will no longer drive out from before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. See, God was doing the driving out, as he does in our life too, but God said, I'm not going to do it. I will use them. Who's them? The evil nations to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did. The Lord had allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. Have you ever said to yourself, you know, you think of what your greatest struggle is, what your greatest challenge is, and you've said, like the Apostle Paul, three times I said to the Lord, God, take this out of my life, right? Second Corinthians chapter 12. Get rid of this thing. It's driving me crazy, this thorn in the flesh. But the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you because it is in your weakness that my strength is ultimately experienced. This is a lesson. Do you know it? Do I know it? Strong faith is one that is tested. In this sense, our failures either make us or break us. Dave, come back up if you would. Our failures either make us or break us, right? Well, just think about this, okay? This represents the true tension that's in every person's life in this room every person's marriage in this room, every person's commitment to have integrity in your job in this room, this is all there, right? We do not live in a pristine, hermetically sealed, I wish we did, I wish I did. There will be things today in the next 24 and 48 hours that will come in and attack this pastor to try to undermine my faith and my commitment to do what God has told me to do, right? It's a, it's a way of life. And I can either choose to have a wholehearted faith, it's a, daily, it's a daily work, and realize that there are other things vying for my attention, but I have to make a decision, right? Sometimes our failures, they will either break us or they can make us. How? Because with this tension, we decide that we are actually going to follow the Lord, right, with all of our hearts, we're going to commit our hearts to following what he said. And if we do that, even with this pull on our lives, right, a strong faith is tested regularly. And every step that I take, right, in a manner of speaking, 
even with this on my life, what happens is I get stronger, right? You get stronger, right? A strong faith is tested regularly. Is it tr- and let me tell you what this picture is. This is faith in the real world, right? So you say, you know what? I don't know that my faith is genuine. I don't know why my life is so full of trouble. My life is not like other people's lives. Let me tell you something. That's a myth. Any faith that is genuine will be tested. And your faith gets stronger, not by your own strength, but by your putting your faith in God's strength. And in the process, we become stronger, right? Amen? Thank you, Dave. Yeah, don't let that go. Let me give you one more verse. We're all done. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. In all of this, if you don't know this, Peter, the apostle who wrote these two, two books, he was a man who knew something about suffering. And the whole first book of Peter, we read the verse in chapter 5 a few minutes ago, is about the redemptive value of suffering. It's, it's, it's a commentary on Paul's one verse. You know, three times I said, God, take this out of my life. And God says, but God told me, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Peter got that. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may, had to, you may have had to suffer all kinds of trials. Peter says, that doesn't, make, that doesn't mean you're not in God's will. It means you are in God's will. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, right, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Your faith is precious and can be easily lost. Discipline is the price we pay for being loved. And a strong faith is one that is tested regularly, right? Let me just give you two applications to this message, something that you can think about. Number one is this. If you believe this illustration, right, that the world is full of so-called gods that are vying for your affection, right? And they're not always ugly, and they're not always um, what we might think they are. Sometimes they're things like our commitment to our career. You know, the, you know, in Colossians 3, it says this. It says, beware of greed, which is idolatry, right? So sometimes the so-called gods are things that, are, um, that we don't often assume that they are. So here's my challenge. Identify in your own life the false gods in our society, and where appropriate, find one that you can truly repent of and identify in your life. Something that's captured your imagination, your heart, in a way that only God should. And commit your heart's full devotion to God. Right? Second thing is, meditate, speaking of guarding your faith, on a daily portion of God's word that speaks directly to that present area of weakness. Right? What is it? I don't know what it is for you. But you know what? If it's pornography, then you know where to look for a verse. If it's greed, you know where to look for a verse. 
if it's some kind of other, um, you know, you've, you're worshiping your careerism, you know where to look for a verse. How can a young person, Psalm 119, stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden my word in your word in my heart. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is how we guard our faith. Let's stand with me and let's, uh, let's pray. Let me also mention as I send you out here this morning that today, uh, first Sunday of the month, we take a mercy offering. And uh, that's just on the way out. It's not for our expenses. It's for people who in this uh, church or on the edges of our church who are in uh, financial need. Let's pray. Our God and Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you for my, um, my church family. Lord, I'm closer to, to many people in this room and in, in, some, in, in, a, in a real way to all of the people in this room than I am to my own blood family because of the love of God that has entered my life, because of the power of uh, the Holy Spirit that has entered my life. Lord, help all of us this morning to be freshly reminded that although the world is, as Martin Luther said, with devils filled, Lord, God, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And Lord, if we will recommit our hearts to obedience to you, if we will be honest about the, about the so-called gods that we have allowed into our hearts, if we will, Lord, simply turn from them and turn to you in a new and renewed way, Lord, you will hear from heaven, you will answer our prayers, and Lord, you will give us the freedom and the strength that we need today in our lives. Lord, speak to us, each heart here this morning, each student, each, each parent, each person. Wherever we need to recommit our hearts to you, Lord, may we do that. And may we have a faith, a real-world faith, that not only sees your power manifested in us, but sees that power um, uh, shared, that love shared, that message shared with those around us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.